This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Welcome back to the Take the North podcast. Dan and I are uh, excited to welcome our next guest, Dan, our football IQ collectively, just exponentially. <laughs> yeah, David, we've got loyal Chicago Tribune subscriber Gary Fensick, longtime Chicago Bears season ticket holder, and oh yeah, verse seven vocalist from the Super Bowl shuffle, Gary Fensick. Thanks for joining us. How you doing, Gary? Hey, Gary. Doing well. Yeah, great. You know, I, I think the my, the rest of my life, I guess, so I'm so far out of football. If the Super Bowl shuffle isn't incorporated <laughs> into my intro, I guess I'm disappointed. <laughs> you I'm quite an impression. I'm glad we could squeeze it in. Obviously, we're in the middle of what a lot of people think is going to be a landmark offseason for the Chicago Bears. And so your perspective and your insight, I think, is really valuable to us, obviously, but our audience as well. And, and I, the Bears are in the process of doing something that you did during your career, which is make this climb from the bottom to the top, from, you know, from the, the, the bottom of the NFL to relevant, to sustainable success, to hoisting up that 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 silver trophy and so i guess our first question for you is how do we get from here to there yeah. as we as we map it out yeah it's not linear that's for sure i mean there's you know i i came in and played 12 years and the only starting halfback i ever had in my entire career was walter payton <laughs> i think that's pretty amazing he played yeah. 18 years and missed one game his rookie year but we had a great player right and then it was just a matter of you know i just looked the other day the Green Bay Packers, you know, with two great quarterbacks uh, over the last 30 years, they've had six quarterbacks start for the Green Bay Packers since 1992. Six. <laughs> and, and, that, and Brett Favre only missed one game, so he had one backup game. We've had 36. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. 36 quarterbacks since 19. And you look and you go, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you know. So right. uh, it was a little bit different, but – there are signature pieces that I would look back and go, when we got this guy or we got this guy. And I would say two things. One, when Dan Hampton joined the Chicago Bears, our defense and I think our offensive line immediately got better because Dan was such an animal, you know, even in practice. I mean, he just, you know, I think made everybody look a lot better. Two, and this is really relevant to our discussion today, we had one unbelievable draft yeah i think it was 1983 yep and but if you look at the bears and this is before free agency we had great scouts who the first and second round picks mostly if not exclusively panned out so that you had walter was a one mcmahon was a one suey was a two both tackles offensive tackles were ones uh willie galt was a one and on defense you had the fridge and you had Mike Hartenstein was a number two. Uh, Hamp was a one. The linebackers, Singletary was a two. And the two outside linebackers were ones. And then Mike Richardson, our quarterback, was a two. And I think Dave Duerson was a three. Great draft choices. And so <laughs> I say that because this is the opportunity for the Bears. The cupboard is pretty bare right now. And if you look on the defensive side, you got rid of your best linebacker, Roquan Smith. I guess, well, maybe with Mac too. 
but you, you let those guys know and then Quinn. And so now here's an opportunity to really stack up, but not just on one draft. I think they have an opportunity and they're going to look at everything. They're going to have an opportunity to really probably get high draft choices over the next couple of years. And, you know, I, I heard a stat the other day, I looked it up. Only 30% of first round draft choices in the NFL make it to the second contract signing with their, their, the team that drafted them. Right. So if you if just say a third of your players over the next, you know, let's be generous over your first, second and third round picks, 50% of them aren't going to, you know, aren't going to pan out, if not more, then you've got to have choices. And I don't think the Bears are in a position to really rely on one game changer. I mean, if you got, you know, whoever it is. And so they have to be looking and, you know, they got fortunate that the quarterbacks did well in the combine. So that probably ups the ante a little bit, particularly with Richardson from Florida. What a monster, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at those and go, nobody could be that big and that fast. Uh, but, it, but it improves their chances of, you know, if they choose and the opportunity presents itself to be able to get high draft choices this year and next year and still get high quality players uh, in their, their first couple of picks, particularly number one. What's the appropriate level of commitment in your mind to Justin Fields? Because I think that obviously I remember talking to you at the beginning of the season and certainly he flashed a little bit as a rookie, but we saw a lot more growth in season two, but it was, you know, a, a season of three different sections, the first five games, the middle five games, and then the last five. And I think the middle five are what we're focusing on because if you're Ryan Pohl, you have to believe in something. And it seems like mm. they're going to see this through in his words. Is is that the appropriate level? Would you do that if you were him? Yeah, but David, I mean, you know, I think everybody is hoping, right? I mean, he was great on the run. No, But, you know, I talked to Ron Rivera. I talked to Leslie Frazier, the D coordinator, before the Buffalo game. Everybody has the same thing. Keep the guy in the pocket and he can't beat you. And, and that's true for any young quarterback, you know. They can run like crazy. And he had an – I mean, he's not going to have a season like that probably the rest of his career. Right. I hope not. I hope not because, you know what, he needs to be able to demonstrate that he can really – develop some consistency and and for the whole offense that means to get some rhythm i mean i was a wide receiver in college and you know what if your quarterback doesn't see you repeatedly when you're wide open and or more than anything else it's like oh instead of getting five or six catches in a game you only get three it's hard it's hard because you know i'm trying to figure out zone read and or is it man or how's this guy is this guy really good at bumping and running and all that so by the time you get into the second half and the fourth quarter you kind of know how you're going to set up or which which plays are going to work uh better than others and with the bears passing offense they they didn't have that uh because of they didn't have consistency at the wide receiver position but really you know, Fields, as good as he did, and he definitely made progress, you need to see whether or not he can take that next step. And it's not that he won't be able to, but he has to be able to take that next step because he's either going to get hurt, and it may not be, you know, running the ball as much as just scrambling around and all of a sudden you get in an awkward position where there are two 350-pound guys who fall on you and you do something and, and you know, now we're going on to the next quarterback. 
Yeah, or you've taken 57 hits over the course of 10 yeah. weeks because you're running so much and that gets there. So as an extension of that, you know, I was I was refreshed to hear Ryan Poles kind of uh, double down last week and saying, look, like in the NFL, the windows are smaller. The time to see them is faster. It passes by you. And so that Justin, as a processor, has to speed up and understand what the NFL passing game is all about. Yeah. Would you in his shoes consider looking at one of these quarterbacks that we've talked about at the top of the draft to, to, to leave your mind open to be blown away? In the next seven weeks i i don't see that i mean that's that's taking a real risk and i think it would just it would be really hard because now you're just really saying that you're going to restart mm-hmm. at the most important position and i just wondered you know he hasn't been fully committed but right. if you're a player on that team come on i mean you know it's like oh here we go again now we got a new regime and they they now are saying after two years, oh, no, we got that doesn't count. Right. And, you know, as much as, you know, having hits, you know, <laughs> as a, is a great, uh, you know, thing to, to talk about. Most of those guys aren't going to be here in three years. So when you're talking about developing a culture, when you in the NFL have a 25 percent turnover every year, but you've got to have those core people and they don't have it. They don't have it in the front seven. That's for sure. I mean, there's no way that front four is going to be around in a starting position for the Chicago Bears, or we're never going to get past 500. And so, you know, this is the opportunity, not just for this year, but for the next couple of years to start layering in, you know, some hopefully future Hall of Fame players. So you have more salary cap space than any team in the NFL, and you have the number one overall draft pick, and you're Ryan Poles. Which is the way that you, I mean, how does one complement the other? Do you go into free agency with a need-based approach, whereas the draft you have to go in with not having that same same mindset, being open-minded to different positions? Or do you try to find a way where, you know, free agency complements your draft and you have so many needs that you go in with the priority list? Yeah, I bet bet we we would really smile if we saw the board (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, contemplate all those probabilities because it is a probability game right now. It's going to be okay. We really don't know what we're going to get with the draft, and we may just stay with the pick. But you know, this is uh, behavioral science, right? You're going to get which which person is really, really willing to go over the top. And you know, if you're a if you're a white if if you're a general manager and you're on the kind of, you know, make it or break it this year, you'll give away number one next year. You don't care. You may not even be here. And so I think that, you know, the Bears are in a position to say, look, I need to have some assurance that I can get a really good player. I don't know. You know, that's up for them to decide how far down you'd be willing to go if you were to trade the number one pick. But you're going to get more than just that number one uh, trade. And then it's a question of, okay, in the top 50, the Bears only have, do they only have one in the top 50 right now? Right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they want to try to get two and then they want to get something so they can layer in uh, in next year. How much can you get next year? So I, you know, I think that it's going to be uh, a real challenge for them, but also very exciting to be able to say, look, we have so many different scenarios. And I think, you know, David, I, I, I should know this, but the, the free agency starts first, right? Correct. So, yes. yeah. Week. So it's going to be okay. We've got to have a game plan for, well, you know, who are we going for free agent because of the multiple options that we have for the draft. 
but it's still going to come down to, you know, you, you've got to improve your defensive line. It doesn't matter if it's free agency or if it's uh, through the draft, but you need a nose tackle or a, you know, three technique four three uh, tackle. And then you need a defensive end. You need that combination of those two. And then, you know, they're going to, I think offensive, Hey, we know what the needs are <laughs> everywhere, but quarterback, right. And you need, you know, you need to, I guess in some ways stabilize, but overall improve the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line's kind of interesting. The Bears did really well on the run, but they didn't do very well on the passing game. And we don't, you know, unless you're with those coaches, it was a combination. It wasn't always the offensive line. Right. No, they couldn't stay healthy. God, I mean, it's so hard. Certain groups have to work as a unit. And and they can't work as a unit when every week you've got a new person inserted in uh, to the starting lineup. And so I, I think with the line's going to get better and you definitely have to improve your wide receiver core. You need to improve your front seven on defense. And that tells me that you can't just pick one guy and it, it, there's just too many holes in the dike right now. No doubt. Yeah. And so I, I think that, you know, they're going to, Probably if I had to pick, I, I would, if you forced me, I would say go for the choices because I think they're going to get that opportunity again, because fortunately there are enough people who want and need desperately need a young quarterback for their yes. franchise. And they're at push come to shove. Usually they end up giving you more than they should. We're riding in that same bus with you. Trade back, accumulate picks. I just finished my 10th season on the beat. You guys have been around this franchise a lot longer than I have been. And behavioral science is what it is like to follow the Chicago Bears in a lot of ways. It leads me to my next question, Gary, because this was this last year. The reason that the Bears have the number one overall pick is because of a season in which they lost a franchise record 14 games, a season that ended with a franchise record 10 consecutive losses. And yet the level of forgiveness in the city was unlike anything that David and I have ever seen and I'm sure you might agree with that I'm just curious what your reaction was to the 2022 season and the way the results didn't necessarily match with the public reaction to what was happening with their football team right I think all of us as fans were put in a unique position where you're like okay the only thing that really matters is quarterback and forget the record I mean it really <laughs> became forget the record how does the quarterback progress and he delivered excitement I mean, beyond your expectation in terms of the running, but in terms of the passing, when you're really, you know, a little more sober and you look back and go, <laughs> we didn't make a lot of progress on that. And we've got a lot of work to do. But the other thing is that I was just very impressed, one, by the coaches. And I think they did a good job of coaching up. And that these teams, you know, and we all know this, I mean, they were in a lot of these games. Now, it turns out that point differential in the whole NFL kind of followed that trend. Things right. are a lot closer. But I do think that, you know, the excitement of having a quarterback do as much as Justin did was very encouraging. But then you have to sober up a little bit and say, but, you know, when it really came down to could they make the big plays in the fourth quarter, they couldn't. Uh, so we have to improve. So what would you – put as a realistic kind of bar for you as, as somebody that, that cares deeply about this organization where they need to go for 2023, what would you like to see that bar be that they have to clear in 2023 for you to feel better about the direction? And so we're not sitting here talking about three and 14 and number one picks again. Yeah. 
You know, I would say that realistically, it's probably a 500 season where you go, we're, we're making progress and we're making progress with really young people. And so I'm encouraged that there's some uh, tails on this comment because we're headed in the right direction. I mean, you know, when the Bears won, when we won the Super Bowl, we were one of the youngest teams in the NFL. There was a lot of reason to feel, you know, that we were, you know, probably going to have an opportunity to get to more than one Super Bowl. And I think if Jim McMahon had been healthy, we might right. be able to do that. If we didn't have the strike in my last year in 1987, but we were still in it. I mean, you know, we were in the playoffs in 84. We won it in 85. We were in it in 86. We are in it in 87. My first year was 1988 as a fan. Yeah. And uh, I was at that game against San Francisco, and I'm going, okay, I got the good angel and the bad angel. <laughs> you know, I want them to win, but do they have to win – uh, the first year out uh, after I retired. Right? So, uh, but, you know, that five years in a row that they were in the playoffs and, and everybody, no one doubted that they could get to the Super Bowl in all but probably one of those years. And that was 84 when we were still, you know, kind of learning our way and we got wiped out in San Francisco. But even that game was really important because one, Jim McMahon didn't play, but two, we were like, hey, this is it. This is now we know. We, we could sniff it. Yeah. And how? what we, we are going to do to get over that line. And fortunately, you know, we went out that next season and beat the <laughs> out of uh, the 49ers. And it was like we were – it was like a playoff game. Yeah. And so we were ready. But so it, it's the whole organization, you know, the expectations uh, change. And it's, it's fun to be a part of that process. Uh, you know, we were never as bad as that record for the Bears this year. I mean, you know, we were on seven and nine the next year, yeah. we nine and seven. And, you know, you just you just couldn't quite get there. And you're like, but, you know, I never was in a game period where I didn't think we could win the game. Now, by the fourth quarter, Doug Plank and I might be saying, you know, it's time to just have some fun. Because we're not going to win this game. Uh, <laughs> but it's... Um, yeah, but you 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 mature, you grow, and and I think that also for us there was a really steady group, a core group that kind of uh, went that way. And you know, on defense we had Buddy Ryan, which was really you know our common thread. Fortunately, when uh, when Mike Ditka came in, George Hallis had already kept uh, Buddy Ryan before Mike got that opportunity. So, Gary, this offseason is as big as an offseason as the Bears have had in, in recent memory, maybe ever. And they're, while they're trying to get together, put together a team that can compete for a Super Bowl, they're likely trying to build a stadium that can host one out in Arlington Heights. That is yeah. a matter of when, not if, it seems. Just wonder from your perspective, number one, as a former player, what you think about that move, but also – the appointment of Kevin Warren as the team president who has success in such building project in Minnesota and certainly part of the Rams back in the day. What you think of Kevin Warren's ability to lead this team toward Arlington Heights, which is uh, would be a historic move. Yeah, I, I but I think Kevin Warren's hire is, you know, hey, it's more than just a stadium. You know, they got a very experienced person who was an agent uh, coming out of the Big Ten as the commissioner. I applaud the Bears for, you know, making that big hire. I mean, that's a big-time hire for them, and, and it's kind of un, uh, unbear-like in a way. So, I, uh, you know, I'm very encouraged by that. I think the, you know, stadium is a done deal. It's just a matter of how much, you know, 
what kind of support can they get, if any, uh, from a tax perspective? And, um, you know, I'm not the most excited about that because I live in Lincoln Park. <laughs> and so it's going to be a little bit more of a haul. And I'm not fooling us. You know, people go, oh, it's not going to be a problem with traffic. Give me a break. I grew up in Barrington. It, it, it's going to be a problem uh, getting out there and getting in because you only have 53 that has, you know, more than, you know, two lanes. And so, the you know, I think it's going to be a challenge, but it can't be any worse than going down and right. trying to get into Soldier Field where, you know, I am a season ticket holder. And you go south on Lakeshore Drive in that little turn on Roosevelt to get the hard <laughs> left to get that could just taking getting off Lakeshore Drive where I could walk in five minutes might take you 30 to 45 minutes. Which is brutal. 